This time on No Not The Mind Probe, episode number 58, a light at the end of the channel. Welcome to Nut de Mans Prob. It is a French Mans Prob because of the Paris, the little Paris. Well, it's a, it's a Peter Sellers French. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, it's a, a podcast, also mm-hmm. as well as a, obviously a Peter Sellers uh, celebration, um, where we watch and rank every single Doctor Who story ever. My name is John Grant, and I'm a lifelong Doctor Who fan. I have been watching it for 37 years. And from the sound of your voice, you've been screaming about it for yes, 37 yes, years. Yes, I have been <laughs> shouting from the rooftops. <laughs> People need to know. <clears throat> uh, my name is Porter Mason. John's been asking me to watch Doctor Who for 25 years, and a year or so ago, I finally said yes. We're going to have to update that in a few months. It'll be two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, each episode of this podcast, we look at two Doctor Who stories. We're going through the new 21st century Doctor Who in, in order. And we're in the Matt Smith years right now. Uh, we're just starting season six of yeah. the new Doctor Who. Yeah, we finished our and, first Matt uh, Smith. By the way, yeah, this welcome to season season six of No Not the Mind Probe. This yeah. is a big season finale. Uh, no, no season. What do you call the first one in the season? Premiere. Season Premiere. Premiere. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Um, I was and, a little, little, little tense uh, for the last couple of weeks as we weren't sure if we were going to get the, the pickup for the yeah, next that's season. Right. But <laughs> that's right. Well, the bad news is we've been slotted like behind just the ten of us. Like we're really just buried in the schedule. I don't think season seven is looking good to be honest but season six is on like we'll you know we'll take what we can get it's only a six episode order so i don't know yeah i don't know we'll mid-season replacement or something like that so we watch the newer ones and then uh john our doctor who sommelier pairs that story with uh one of one of the many classic stories although i would say we're pretty close to the new outnumbering the classic i have to look at that um, but John, what do we have in store for this episode? Ah, it's a big episode. Uh, so we have uh, the Matt's first Matt Smith Christmas special. Uh, this is a Christmas Carol, um, and this is the uh, uh, <clears throat> the annual traditional true Christmas special, of course. Uh, and you've got uh, Matt Smith and uh, uh, Karen Gillan and <clears throat> um, Arthur Darbell, Rory, uh, and Michael Gambon. So big, big special guest star. Uh, and I paired that. It's got so that it's got sort of a timey wimey uh, uh, plot line. Uh, you know, going back in time and affecting the future, etc. So I paired that with uh, one of the one of the all time classics, uh, "City of Death," a Fourth Doctor Romana story. <laughs> All right, we're going to recap those episodes, but first I do want to update you. I took a look and story-wise, not minutes of television-wise, so that would be interesting to look at too, and I'm sure that's compiled somewhere. Story-wise, by the end of maybe the next season of Doctor Who, maybe one more, um, there will have been more new Who than classic Who. Hmm. So the last classic story, they can, well, actually, they consider um, the Doctor Who movie the the essentially that oh, would right. be the last if you want the classic story that's story number 156 and there are now 299 uh official television stories overall so that's pretty interesting mm-hmm. so pretty close to a turning point there do you feel in your mind the you know mind share of your head is the new who like roughly is there a roughly equivalent amount of stuff in your head versus the old who or is it just uh... i don't know I just have so much more of the, <laughs> right? Because you obsessed about it so it, many like, times, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it still feels like the old who is is uh, is bigger, but um, it definitely. I mean, at this point, it's 
it's been going on so long now that it's it's. In fact, I, I actually sometimes feel a little bit like I am uh, I'm out I'm out of date. I'm I'm no longer the most knowledgeable person at the table uh, because I have only seen some of these new ones a couple times. It's embarrassing. I mean, who well, only watches TV shows one time? Some of the younger folks, when when you are younger, you watch TV shows 10, 15 times a night before you go to bed. True. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And so I imagine, you know, younger younger folks uh, who are who are catching or who are into Doctor Who would be obsessing over the new ones, then be like, oh, right. great, there's all these old ones to obsess over too. So they just, you know, do the whole lot. Um, well, anyway, today we'll, let's talk about what we're talking about today. We're talking about, uh, this is the the Christmas special. A Christmas Carol is the Christmas special from 2010. I mentioned it's Matt Smith. And um, Amy and Rory are there, a little, just lightly. It's kind of a pretty yeah. much a Doctor Heavy show. Um, but yeah. they're there. They get to, I mean, they are the plot revolves around them. They're trying it to does. rescue them, but they don't get too much to do with it. <laughs> um, it's story number 213. It aired on Christmas 2010. It was one, uh, uh, it's a 60 minute show. So it's slightly longer than the standard um, newer who shows. And uh, let's listen to a little clip that you've prepared for us from A Christmas Carol. Ah, yes, blimey. Sorry, Christmas Eve on a rooftop, saw a chimney. My whole brain just went, what the hell? Don't worry, Fat Fuller will be doing the rounds later. I'm just scoping out the general chimneyness. Yes. Nice size. Good traction. Big tick. Fat Fella. Father Christmas. Santa Claus. Or, as I've always known him, Jeff. There's no such person as Father Christmas. Oh, yeah. Me and Father Christmas. Frank Sinatra's Hunting Lodge, 1952. See him at the back with a blonde, Albert Einstein, the three of us together. Watch out. Okay? Keep your faith. Stay off the naughtiness. Ooh, now what's this, and I love this. A big flashy lighty thing, that's what brought me here. Big flashy lighty things have got me written all over them. Not actually, but give me time and a crayon. Now, this big flashy lighty thing is connected to the spire in your dome, yeah? And it controls the sky. Well, technically it controls the clouds, which technically aren't clouds at all. Well, they're clouds of tiny particles of ice. Ice clouds love that. Who's she? Nobody important. Nobody important. Blimey, that's amazing. Do you know, in 900 years of time and space, I've never met anyone who wasn't important before. <laughs> uh, this just explodes great... onto the screen. <laughs> yeah, what a great, I mean, great writing in this whole episode, but, and it's, and it's a just keeps being set up and knocked out of the park by Matt Smith repeatedly. Like great writing, and then he's just delivering it wonderfully. So, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, the plots moved forward or was driven by the fact that uh, Amy and Rory and and the Doctor at the beginning are on a ship. I forget why, but it is about to crash. Um, do they go onto the ship to save it? Is that why? You no, know, they're, uh, they're on their honeymoon. It's uh, Amy. Oh, right, yeah. right, right. And she calls out for the doctor to come help because the right. ship is exactly. in distress. He does. And um, basically, it's it's about to crash into this planet below. And the reason it's about to crash is because there's just dense cloud cover. They can't see anything. They're just flying blind and, and they will crash. So the stinger for the show or the, no, sorry, sorry, the teaser for the show is that she calls for the doctor. And there's a funny a bit that they're on their honeymoon which means they're probably having they're probably having sexual intercourse uh uh john and the the funny the funny bit is that it's like they're clearly kind of role-playing 
with their own past costumes in past <laughs> who episodes her and her iconic uh, police woman's out uh, outfit yep. which is in her first episode and rory in his centurion costume so you get a, a glimpse into, into their lives of this is how they fancy each other they anyway. do have a lot of fun with that uh, joke too <laughs> yeah and they bring it back a couple times anyway so matt smith uh does come into safety and we we see him pop down on earth this episode is named a christmas carol so you're kind Mm -hmm. of waiting to see how this is going to work out and pretty much right away you see um they meet this old man who's kind of like seems to be running this planet his name is kazran sardik um he's uh a a poor family is coming to him asking for help and he's saying no you can't have this and what they're seem to be asking for is their uh i guess their the 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 wife's sister, the the children's auntie, is frozen in some sort of almost like frozen in carbonite. And they're like, please just let her out just for Christmas. He's like, no, I won't do it. And this is Michael Gambon, by the way. Yeah. Um, so the doctor arrives wanting him to just like take down the cloud cover to, so, to save the ship. And he's he's just basically this complete misanthrope. He's like, no, I don't care. They can all die. And I just don't care about any of this. And we find out a bunch of stuff. So we find out this planet is enveloped in fog. And the fog um, is fish. These fish have a whole ecosystem of undersea life is now above in the air that swim around, I think, using like it's 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 sort of hand waved away at some point. They swim around charged particles and kind of like an ionosphere. Yeah, They're able to like do that. Sort of crystals or something. Um, yeah. Apparently, this is based on uh, Stephen Moffat as a child had a fear of fear fish of out of yeah out of the water. Yeah. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. And this man is sort of and and it's sort of set up in the plot that he's he runs this planet. There is also a president, but the president calls him to ask him things and he tells the president, no, I don't care. I'm going to do what I want. He's in charge because he's developed this machinery that essentially runs the climate of the planet. And when the doctor arrives, he tries to go and change it. And and it's just set to work with just this one guy. So uh, the ship. They're saying it conveniently has because I was wondering, was like, how are they going to do this? Because the ship appears to be in distress and about to crash. And they're like, we only have an hour <laughs> um, to, to crash. And so basically the doctor takes this on as like, I'm going to try to get this guy to change his mind. And that's where we get into the, the straight up. It's already there are already parallels to Christmas Carol, but here it is. It's like Ghost of Christmas past, yeah, not, present, future. They're they're not uh, hiding their, uh, no. their influences. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. And so, um, so what do we see? Well, we see this guy's a young kid. He has a very abusive father who's actually also played by Michael Gambon. So, um, it's, you know, it's quite identical who has hit him and, um, you know, it just seems to be just an evil person, um, obsessed, greedy and selfish. And we find that, um, this, the Kazarin, um, as a boy is he's okay he's actually obsessed with the fish he loves the fish the doctor takes him around to try to meet the fish and what we find is that when the fish are down below it is quite a problem because there are sharks and everything swimming around too so it is there's a reason for wanting to control the climate and get the clouds up a little higher because in fact like it it, it doesn't interact with human human civilization though the kid is saying like i love the fish i really just want to see them anyway there's we have an interaction with the sharks I'm, pretty cool doctor who has not gotten to the point like cgi is pretty cool like i like that shark they look pretty good um that was a neat sequence um and so interestingly what the doctor does is he goes back in time to see the kid and he is projecting video of themselves most of the time or like it's a conceit as you just say all the time the whole time um so the older man is seeing his memories change as they as the doctor inserts himself and he has these i I like the moments of him saying like 
that can't be that never happened and then he just it's like michael gambone takes a beat and says like but it did it did happen like you know so I, I like to me this is the time travel stuff i like where it's like don't worry about how this is possible yeah isn't that just interesting that like if your memories change how would you how would that happen how would that feel how would that react i liked it um he goes down into this vault where essentially there's these frozen people because his father keeps him as collateral for people's loans and it's a way of you know, people being able, it's a way of him um, enslaving all these people, I guess, and knowing, you know, that they will pay back their money. They open a particular one. I forget the reason why they open it first. The the boy, boy Kazran says, oh, this one, is it because she can sing? Is that why he, somehow he knows her. Yeah, I forget um, how that played out. <laughs> um, well, anyway, they open one um, and it's a woman named Abigail and she sing. they're in danger by the way that cur- currently with the shark. And she sings, and it's sort of been hinted before that songs, uh, music being played, can pacify the fish. Well, when she sings, it really does. The shark literally kind of just falls asleep um, in front of them. They they get the shark into uh, a cryogenics uh, thing and, and get it out the way. And then now it becomes like, oh, this woman, Abigail, who never gets let out. And they say, we're going to take you out and have a day of it on your day out of your you know, frozen the frozen tundra, and they go have a fun little thing, and then and then the boy declares like, why don't we just do this every year? This is great. Like we can always just take you out on Christmas, and like at least you get this one day. And so there's a little montage of them doing all sorts of fun stuff on Christmas, including again Stephen Moffat just writes really great visuals. The idea of the shark pulling a carriage through the sky, right? Yeah, um, just a really cool visual. Um, the shark as the horse pulling the carriage, uh, an air carriage. And then um, Azarin's growing up. We see the two actually start to develop a love interest because she doesn't really age, right? She's about, like, I don't know, in her 20s. And yeah. then as he grows up, well, now, um, you know, now Azarin is um, probably like 18, 19. And um, so they fall in love you know they sort of kiss notably he never really lets her out of the thing full time even though they are in love um well, she has an illness right? well so that's yeah. right but but he doesn't right but i'm saying they don't reference that until later but the doctor notices right away um that she has a number on the front of her um device that keeps her frozen and it starts at eight and when they put her back in it goes down to seven so he notes that um though and then yes later many times later um she confesses the doctor knows is also that she's ill and then many years later she confesses to azrin the truth we don't hear what she says but basically what we find out later is she only has so many days to live now i don't know if it's like literally enumerated or just an amount of time like she can only be out of the um out of the cryogenics for some amount of hours or it's a number of times it's sort of unclear yeah i mean Um, it's what the little counter goes whenever they Right. The device is just, it's one more time. Like you can come out one more time. Right. Um, so, uh, he doesn't tell the doctor this, but, uh, but so the adult Azrin, sorry, Kazrin suddenly says like, no, we're not doing this anymore. Um, and basically what he's struggling with is he knows the next time that he takes her out is the last time. And so he waits. Um, we go back and the doctor, we think, you know, he thinks this kind of seeing all this will change, you know, similar to Christmas Carol. You see your past things. Will this change your life? No. So now we do Ghost of Christmas present. Amy takes him onto the spaceship and shows him these are the people that are literally dying because of this decision you're making. So, you know, let's do this. Um, And then we go to Ghost of Christmas Future. And the way they do that, I thought was clever, which is he is unchanged. 
or seemingly so by all this. And the doctor gets him to get into this, you know, grunting monologue about how it doesn't matter and I don't need to do this. I think this is after he he reveals, you know, I, how do I do this? I'm, you know, I can't spend one more. I, I only have one more day with her and just oh, he's very bitter. and I don't care if everyone else dies. And he says, you're going to see your future. And it's not him seeing his future. He shows the young boy right. what the old, him what he's become as an old man. Yeah, it was a clever little twist. <laughs> really was. And then so that that breaks him out. And then I thought this was another additional twist because, you know, Stephen Moffat was like, how about 17 twists? How about that? <laughs> um, this is another one for me where I was just like, God damn it, Stephen Moffat. Like, how do you do this? Like, how do you sit down and figure all this out? And I don't mean to ascribe it all to him. I'm sure there's a writing set that helps him with it. It is a written by credit for him. So I have to assume yeah, it's yeah, a lot of it. Most of it. Um, so now the now Kazarin, young and old, are like, OK, yeah, this is dumb. Let's save. First of all, let's save these people. And. They go to use the controls, which remember only work for him. Well, the controls don't work anymore because it's not him. He is a changed person. Um, and so what we do is we have um, uh, Abigail released um, and she sings through the sonic screwdriver. Um, and in doing so, uh, that disrupts the storm and allows it allows it all to land. And um yeah, you know, he lets her out and then we have one last time. And notably, there's a couple things that resonate through here. One, um, he's, all the other times have been Christmas Eves. Well, then now they finally have their Christmas Day. And uh, she says when she gets out, like, oh, what did you do? You, you, you held me, you held me in your mind like a miser. You know, he wasn't just miserly about his money. He's miserly about his love. Like he, he keeps it inside. But, you know, so that was great. And then... Um, the repeated theme throughout the entire show, which is mentioned in the opening, is the idea of Christmas um, as one of the many celebrations throughout all human cultures of celebrating the point at the dead middle of winter, that you're halfway through the darkest period. And he weaves that through in several different places, I thought, in really nice moments, just to say, like, you're halfway through, you're halfway through the darkest part. And I don't know if this pretends anything for being kind of halfway through anything of the darkest part of <laughs> the Matt Smith era. <laughs> I don't know about that, but like, I just, I really liked that, um, that theme. And um, yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, really just a really great, um, not, not, not that many of them are, I guess, but the Christmas episodes in general do seem to try to attempt for that kind of show in a bottle feel of like, you don't really have to know what came before. You don't really have to know right. what came after though. It helps. And, and sometimes I just feel like they end up, because of that with and they know a lot of people are going to watch right and yeah. they're just really just tight engaging fun stories and this was certainly one of those so yeah yeah no um uh so and especially this was a if you remember the last christmas special was the um the uh <clears throat> david Tennant finale so it was sort of right the, so this is the only christmas this is the first matt smith christmas i don't know if it's the only right, one but yeah. it's the first, first one. one um and uh and you know it's kind of uh, it's supposed to Stephen moffat deliberately he said uh, he deliberately wanted to make it less dark than uh you know than, than the one uh again that had to do the whole uh farewell to um farewell to david Tennant and all that kind of stuff so it was intentionally meant to be uh, a much lighter story uh you got to uh, and, and <clears throat> interesting i mean yeah he doesn't um uh he does not stretch himself in terms of coming up with a plot he's just like oh, i'm gonna do a christmas carol and he does a christmas <laughs> it's a great plot i mean yeah but I he mean, adds in so many trappings around it like right um so i think that makes it 
that it, it is a Doctor Who Christmas Carol, meaning it uses it twists parts of the Christmas Carol in ways that Doctor Who stories would. So right. I mean, I think it succeeds exactly. in that sense. And you know, and, and it is you know, a Christmas Carol is a time travel story, right? Uh, um, in some ways, so right, right. Uh, um, and uh, yeah, um, uh, not a lot for Rory and Amy to do. Uh, so this is definitely a Matt Smith showcase. Apparently, the um, the what's her name? The woman was a, a Welsh singer. Like, so that's really her singing. Oh wow, she has a beautiful um, voice. Yeah, and uh, but she'd never really done much acting before. So they were, which they didn't really realize until they had gassed her. Um, but uh, so yeah, so she's got um, she does that. Uh, so it was sort of written a little bit around her. Um, and then you got, yeah, Michael Gambon, who's a pretty big get for Doctor Who. I mean, he's a pretty, uh, yeah. uh, you know, he's what, Dumbledore in uh, uh, the Harry Potter series. And uh, he's been in and around, well, like all British actors, he's been around for <laughs> 40 years uh, doing just about everything. But um, I think they were a little surprised they got him. Uh, but yeah. <clears throat> um, uh, and he's, he's again, not, uh, he's not playing it subtly. He's not like, Oh, uh, <laughs> he's going for it. <laughs> like, all right, I'm going to be Scrooge. Um, uh, so, but yeah, again, what's, what, sure. I mean, you know, why, why, <laughs> why not? Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's sort of that big, bold holiday, um, holiday thing. Um, and, and by uh, the way, Dickens, like the doctor references a Christmas Carol, but, right. and he, he knows Dickens, right? I mean, he's met Dickens, right. so like he's basically stealing the idea, right? <laughs> right, right. He's like, oh, oh, I'll do this bit, like I'll, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Um, and so, yeah, so it's a, it's just a, a fun ride. It was, it was a pretty popular episode, if I recall correctly, um, <clears throat> uh, or it, was, it had a lot of viewers. Um, and uh, yeah, and then of course you just get Matt Smith. I think uh, it's clear that like he's had a break from, uh, um, you know, from sort of the the hardcore. Uh, uh, the drudgery you know, yeah, the, the day in day out and, and yeah and then he's kind of coming back and he's he seems to have a lot of energy and excitement <laughs> um again when he kind of comes down that chimney it's like it looks like he just explodes into the room <laughs> yeah <laughs> like doing this monologue uh, so yeah, it's um uh, it's a good one. I, I it's a it's a fun little episode. All right, why don't we move on to the classic episode? This is the city of death. Um, oh, this is season seventeen, story number two. This is a Tom Baker Romana Mark two, right? Yep. Um, and it's a four parter, so it's a nice manageable size. Uh, it is it is four twenty five minute episodes. Um, September. 29th to the 20th of October 1979 it originally aired and it is story number 105 so 100 stories before our our previous episode let's listen to a little clip that you've picked up of City of Death I say what a wonderful butler he's so violent hello I'm called the doctor that's Romana that's Duggan you must be the Countess Scalioni. And this is clearly a delightful Louis Cairns chair. May I sit in it? I say, haven't they worn well? Thank you, Herman. That'll be all. Doctor, you're being very pleasant with me. Well, I'm a very pleasant fellow. But I didn't invite you here for social reasons. Yes, I could see that the moment you didn't ask me to have it. Well, I will have a drink. How you come to mention it? Yes, do come in, everybody. Romana, sit down over there. Duggan. Now, Duggan, you sit there. Do sit down if you want to. Come. Oh, all right. Now... Isn't this nice? The only reason you were brought here was to explain exactly why you stole my bracelet. Ah, well, that's my job. You see, I'm a thief. This is Romana. She's my accomplice. And this is Duggan. He's a detective who's been kind enough to catch me. That's his job. You see, our two lines of work dovetail beautifully. 
very interesting. I was rather under the impression that Mr. Duggan was following me. Oh, well, <laughs> you're a beautiful woman, probably. And Duggan was trying to sum up the courage to ask you out to dinner, weren't you, Duggan? Who sent you? Who sent me what? Doctor, the more you try to convince me that you're a fool, the more I'm likely to think otherwise. Now, it would only be the work of a moment to have you killed. <laughs> There's so many little jokes in there like yeah. he says i'm sure you're a very beautiful woman probably or something the way he says it is like it's, it's very i funny. love i just i love when he gets uh, shoved into the room and he says i say what a wonderful butler he's so violent <laughs> <laughs> yes well i'm sure you'll talk more about this but this is at least co-written by um by douglas adams and certainly the the humor um uh, the humor definitely shows. Um, okay, so let me try to recap. I'm sure I'll get things wrong. But uh, we start out as it's a fun romp in Paris. Ooh. And Romana has a little Parisian hat. And it's all a lot of fun. And we're going to go up to the Eiffel Tower. And I would say right from the beginning, it is just like staccato jokes and wordplay and um, like height of tom baker you know yeah. similar to what we just said about matt smith and, and stephen moffat i don't know if it's necessarily adam's writing this part of it but it is just like a bunch of like really snappy lines and just delivered like perfectly by tom baker set up very well while they're in the louvre uh looking at the mona lisa they uh notice that someone's in there and has a strange bracelet on which the, the doctor notes that and steals it and then um so he's like well this is an alien bracelet like why why does this who has this they were clear and he's i think he already pegged that they were trying to steal the mona lisa um or to scan the security systems around the mona lisa they meet uh, a british inspector who is <laughs> in paris for some reason and he's he thinks that they're in on something and they tell him they kind of end up teaming up with him saying that like this this woman that they saw is a team is an art thief with along with her husband the count and countess scarleone um uh very italian very british people um so so by the way and i'm gonna put in early that duggan from this episode is a new addition to my list of companions who should have been yeah how fun of a companion could he have he basically was a companion this episode but like i just think he's such a weird mix they've never had anyone like this this like sort of you know hard knuckled uh, detective guy I just think he has a lot of fun into this yeah. because when it's Ramana and the doctor they're different personalities but they're both coming at things from the same way they're both these right. alien they're too time smart almost. yeah yeah <laughs> anyway so he was a lot of fun um so they uh they we've also see this guy dr karensky who i had to look up apparently was meant to be hungarian and i i am yeah, hungarian. maybe that was a good accent he felt like <laughs> italian and then occasionally russian maybe he was doing a pervert hungarian it did not read as that to me no, it was like I, a lot I, of times it was a talker like this um and then it, yeah and then it would drift into russian anyway this guy's down there working on a big scary ray and uh and he and the count is having him work on this and um we find out that um he he finds out that romana knows about time travel um he immediately kills dr koretsky yeah, like you don't need him um, anymore <laughs> by using the ray on him to just age him immediately and i guess he's i forget what he tells her exactly but he tells her he's making this thing to 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 affect time yeah um so the doctor heads to uh see leonardo da vinci um and because he wants to get to the bottom of like these fakes of the Mona Lisa and how this is happening. When he's there, he sees capture uh, another person, Captain Tancredi, who is the exact same as Count Scarlioni. And basically we see like 
This is a person also time traveling. And what we see is that he's actually an alien. Uh, his name is Scaroth, um, which sounds so much like Scaro, which is another no, Dalek. It's a Dalek planet. Is that the the Scarrow? Scarrow yep, Scarrow is the yep. Yeah, so that was confusing me. Anyway, member of a race called the Jaggeroths, who is a big scary worm people with one one eye, and there they are. Um, they arrived on Earth four hundred million years ago, but all the all the other ones died, and his body was fragmented across time in the crash. Fascinating. Um, so the fragments of Scarrow uh have changed all of humanity so that. By uh, this moment in time, of the 20th century, they will finally have the tech that he needs to go back in time and stop the initial explosion and allow the Jagroths to live on. And the doctor figures out, like, learns out about this and says, like, well, then that will end the human race. Now, this is always one of many interesting decisions about the doctor, which is like, well, that's true, but his race was entirely ended. So what's the right call here? I mean, like, I, I, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting of like, he, yeah, he's not doing it. He, he's not just being evil about it necessarily. He's saying, I want to do this because yeah, I want to go back and prevent my, my race. <laughs> yes. That will in effect cut, make other changes, but I, I just want to undo this one change that happened before. Right. But um, I guess it's sort of just not wanting to upset the continuum. So, well, but it will destroy humanity. will never been. It will. It yeah. will. But I'm saying that in and of itself to me isn't a reason to say we can't do this because oh, it I would see. also be saving another race of people. So hmm. what's the, you know. It's called the law of trans uh, transfer of genocide. Uh, and it's a very simple, <laughs> very simple. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You balance, you carry the ones yeah, and then you balance exactly. that over. And then you just get married. <laughs> so I'll try to explain near the end, but uh, it has a wonderful end. Um, they, they go back in time. He's, he, he's going to do is go back in time, try to change this initial crash. Uh, they go back to basically the primordial soup of Earth before any life is formed. Is a nice little thing where the doctor is going off about how from this goo, all of life will form. Stuff like this. They're going back to stop him. Part of, I believe, the time travel uh, power or whatever that the ray that he has is that he has a limited amount of time uh, when right. he goes back before he gets shuttled back. And before, um, I believe it was in this episode, isn't he the guy who earlier says like, oh, you won't be around long, so I'll tell you my whole plan. Does he say right. that in this? Yeah, he's basically. I love like, that. Yeah, he just, won't. <laughs> I've never heard that the evil guy telling you his whole plan summed up before he does it. Like, here's why I'm doing this, because yeah. you won't be around long. Anyway. Um, he again is kind of monologuing after he goes back in time and Duggan just punches him yep. and then that's the end and I thought that was the best end ever like and I, I guess part of it was because the way they played it they didn't play it as like bum 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 I'm gonna punch him he just kind of punches him in the middle of a sentence they're right. like, uh, every, everyone is surprised they're like, oh, oh uh, yeah I guess we could just punch him why didn't we do that and then the doctor's like oh that may have been one of the most important punches in history yeah I love it um, so um, it, it ends uh, he does end up dying Scaroth and um, so interestingly blows up and then we we decide that so what do the doctor has done because basically he was going back in time and getting him to make copies of the mona lisa right right so you got uh, da vinci to make multiple copies of the mona lisa and then he could sell them all um, right and uh, fund his experiment so the doctor when he was there wrote on the copies right um to, to note the ones that were, were that were copies and in a way that would be unnoticeable but like if you knew what to look for right. it would be easily find right. easily found well anyway what they find out is that in the explosion some of the 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 mona lisas were burned and and all you have is one of the copies right and so that was a, like a fun little conversation with duggan at the end saying like oh my gosh you've lost the art and the doctor's like well 
it's still like Leonardo made it. Yeah, I mean, like Vinci no one will know. So how could it be? Yeah, how is it? <laughs> they're gonna talk a little bit about that, and then they'll even be. And I, I was, I genuinely was really hoping, like maybe he'll kind of come along on the next trip. But uh, I think it was not to be. So uh, yeah, I think a, a very enjoyable classic one. This would be probably this. This could be another good classic one that, like, if you've never seen Doctor Who, this would be a fun one to to try and start. It's like interesting. It's kind of like. I think for whatever reason, art thievery is really fun to watch on TV and movies. Why is that? I, I don't know. But uh, but th- anyway, it's, uh, these are fun to watch, uh, this kind of a plot. Maybe it's because it's like it's just low stakes. And I mean, like it's like it's it's a crime. So it's exciting in and that way. But it's not stake. murdering. Be- yeah, but it's not killing people or yeah, right. it doesn't quite have the same unpleasantness. Um, yeah, this is a this is a one of the often considered one of the great Doctor Who stories of all time. Um, this is uh, Douglas Adams and uh, Graham Williams, the producer. They actually wrote this in a weekend because uh, another story had fallen through, and so they. And, and I think this was at the time Douglas Adams was a script editor at the time, uh, and um, uh, was working on Hitchhiker's Guide as well at the same time was writing. Oh, wow. <clears throat> um, so he's had a lot going on. <laughs> um, uh, you have uh, the bad, uh, uh, Skyroth is played by Julian Glover, uh, who is um, you, a big movie he's star. He's very actually. noticeable. Yeah, and he's very smooth, uh, but he was, um, uh, he's the bad guy in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Oh, uh, yes. Admiral Ozzel in... Um, uh, he's the the Imperial Walker commander in um, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, uh, he's uh, one of he's a Bond villain. Um, he was in maybe the Spy Who Loved Me or one of those. Um, he's a uh, 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 so he's he's done a ton of stuff. Um, and then obviously, uh, but obviously his greatest accomplishment is this. Uh, but he plays it really well. Um, and uh, his wife is uh, I think her name's Catherine Shell. She's uh, also um, I I'm not as familiar with her, but apparently is also a very well known actress um uh and they they i think are so smooth that they get away with the obvious issue which was is he's wearing a fairly unconvincing rubber mask um (laughs) and it's like okay well if they were uh you know actually married at some point i feel like that would you know possibly be become you know there'd be certain points in a marriage she might become yeah he might figure it out um but they just kind of we just kind of politely ignore that um uh, you've got uh, it's obviously filmed in Paris. Um, it's interesting. It's a, and they it's do a, a lot of location, a ton of it. Um, and what's interesting yeah. is it's a very um, it's a complicated story, right? There's a lot going on in the story, uh, and you know it's it's well structured and all that. But there's a ton of time where they're just running around. Like the first episode is maybe yeah. 15 minutes of them just being like, "We're in Paris, and we're going to make sure everybody knows that we paid to come here, <laughs> and uh, and we're going to make sure everybody knows it." And they're just running around in Paris um, and, and having a grand old time. Uh, and, um, uh, and then, of course, uh, the John Cleese uh, cameo, one of my uh, yes, one of great. Yes, yes. Um, uh, I think uh, this, was a, this was back when everything was just filmed at Television Center uh, in the, uh, the, the BBC. Um, and um, so I think they were all just kind of, it must have been an amazing place to work. I think they were all just kind of wandering around in the, general area right does it just be like oh john cleese is over there doing faulty towers and uh you know we can grab him or something like that and he'll do uh do the little um the cameo uh that's eleanor braun with him who's also a fairly well-known um actress yeah, she was uh, in help oh all right there you go beatles movie um and i the joke is really funny too i actually think it's a very funny um just the, yeah. them like just looking at the art and being like exquisite 
Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like it is art just by its existence itself. It just yeah. is. And then it, <laughs> then it vanishes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, uh, uh, it's brilliant. Um, and, um, uh, yeah, uh, the, um, it also, it's, it feels like it's, um, uh, it feels like a big story. It feels like it's, it doesn't feel cheap, but, uh, it's just, the shortcuts are really like the entire Renaissance Italy is just one set, right? It's just Leonardo's workshop. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they, it, it, it's got scale to it. Like they're going places, but done really well within sort of the, the classic doctor who, uh, budget limitations and stuff like that, which is, which is good. But, um, yeah, this is a story. I, you don't remember watching this before. Did this one not seem familiar to you? No, is this the one you showed me in college? I think so. Uh, I do not remember watching it at all. Yeah, I, 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 this is usually before the new series. Uh, this would be one of those ones that would be, you know, I, I would go to to try to introduce people, right? Because it is, if you're going to get somebody started on the old series, um, this is, you know, it's probably one of the better options, <laughs> um, right? Uh, just because there's, yeah, I mean, there, you know, it's, it's, um, it's funny, it's light, it's fairly easy to follow. Um, but it's also got all the trappings of classic who, right? It's got sort of a, a rubber rubber mask monster and yeah. <laughs> Wormhead guy. Yeah, exactly. It's just kind of got everything. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, uh, one of the great ones. I don't know any French. That's only... Is that a French? Is that what? Yeah, well, <laughs> it really would have played as French had I known any French at all. But right. I was thinking one of those like French uh, songs uh, that 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 era that like kind of French romantic songs. But now, really not knowing any French makes it hard to. Yeah, and really I didn't have my accordion. If you'd given me a heads well, up, I, anyway. I would have I would have played my accordion. Oh yes, that would have been nice. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's, that's on me. It's on Always me. have your accordion at, at the ready. <laughs> Always. Yes, it's true. It's true. Uh, we are adherents of the repeating themes here on uh, No, Not the Mind Probe. I was about to say here on Doctor Who. I was about to elevate us to the show. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Um, yeah. We're very close. A lot of people mistake us for, yeah, for the I, actual I think show. That's right. And so we like to talk about uh, uh, topics that thread between these episodes and throughout culture itself. John, what did you want to touch on for this theme? Uh, well, I mean, we've, I think we've talked a little bit about time travel as a device and stuff. So let's uh, let's do a quick uh, report card on Matt Smith. Check in, uh, check uh, in on Matt. Yeah, how's, how? What are we thinking? We've got to the end of his season, uh, and uh, you know, we liking him. We, we think he's. Uh, <laughs> we think we're going to keep him. I think. I think we should. Yeah, we should keep him around <laughs> for about three more seasons. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. No. I think he's great. I mean, I, I. I think he's followed through on the promise of that first episode. I mean, this is a particularly great episode to ask that question about. But not that, actually, not that he had flagged in any way. Actually, I, I still enjoyed him throughout. But as you say, he kind of bursts back on here, and it's like, ooh, he has just as much energy and charm as he did in uh, in the eleventh hour when we first met him. Um, yeah. And I think he's great. I think he really. Um. I. I mean, I liked. To me, that's interesting is that like Christopher Eccleston is so different from both uh, David Tennant and Matt Smith. So I almost consider him like differently. Plus, he only ha- did that one season. So it's like he just didn't run it as long. But but David Tennant and Matt Smith feel more similar to me. They feel their characters of Doctor Who feel more similar to one another. And I do think I prefer Matt Smith at this point to him. Like, I just mm. I like the energy. I, I don't know. I, I, I think what it is, too, is I'm, I mean, not to dwell on this again but like um i felt like by the end david tennant's character 
felt so tied down by all these various things that it became a bit of a bore. It was like, oh God, we're right. gonna talk about as we've I've discussed repeatedly. Oh, we got to talk about Rose again, and how I right. love Rose, mm-hmm. and that I think that really just wore on the character. Maybe that'll happen with Matt Smith. Right now, it feels very like he feels what I really think of as the doctor of like involved in everything, not tied to anything, brings this whimsy to it. Not that he doesn't have um, a deeper side to it, but I don't know. I'm just enjoying it so far. I'm enjoying it more. That's also helped by um, his. uh, I like I mean, Amy and Roy are great. And so like I've only seen him with them and they're really great companions. And so like that's working really well, too. It's also not hurt by the fact that Stephen Moffat is the showrunner and he's pretty good. So, yeah, yeah, obviously the good good stories <laughs> are helping. That, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. I mean, it, you know, it's interesting. We, I was talking about this with my Doctor Who group uh, earlier today. But um, if you <clears throat> the Stephen Moffat's intent was not to to get another young doctor like he wanted an older doctor um and then matt smith just kind of wandered into the room and and they were like well i gotta i gotta cast this guy um and uh it's so it's interesting like we were talking about could you could you have found him if you were looking for him right like or or how would you have even decided he just plays it so oddly um and so well uh but it's like what would you said like would you you were looking for to actually find him intentionally if you if you if you tried i'm not sure like i mean i think you could only find him by accident um and he just uh, uh well and also i wouldn't have setting aside the young thing because david Tennant wasn't old right um i i wouldn't have i feel like you would think it would be a mistake to go with someone who's bringing such like i said similar energy in a way to the character and yet it's great it's almost like hey let's run back that back let's run back that last doctor but just fix a bunch of stuff about it and right it's like yeah this is this is like a better version of the same thing whereas like i said i can't even compare it to christopher eccleston that's just a, he's a very different character very different thing which i really liked actually um so that seems very different and i imagine sometimes they step in looking for the doctor and saying like hey we're really going to take this left turn and go somewhere like or we're going to explore this other part of the doctor um but this seems like let's do more of the same but all the good stuff I, I think by by the end of the david Tennant thing to put put a phrase on that it felt a little bit like um where we were with superhero movies before the marvel stuff came which is like they were being made overly like like the dark knight had done well and and everything had been like trying to like trying to shoehorn in like grittier it's like hey these can be about adult things too and it's and then the marvel ones were more like Hey, also, yeah, there'll be some adult stuff, but also this is just fun and it's fun to have these superheroes and why don't we have fun? And that's what I like feel like from the Matt Smith seasons, which is like it's just boiled down much more to let's do all these same Doctor Who things, but we don't ha- it doesn't have to feel like a drudgery. There, there's no part of we don't have to feel like we have to do any of these things. It's like we can just now part of that. I, I don't mean to throw Russell D. Davies under the bus, especially because he's about to start off as a showrunner yeah, again. Be nice. to go well, but um. I think he was trying to do certain things with his seasons and trying to do these big arcs and really just trying to feel out all the stuff that hadn't been done in Doctor Who. Yeah. And that was all in service of 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 greater things. I think Stephen Moffat had the luxury of coming in after a few seasons, kind of seeing what things worked, what things didn't. And I think he's really kind of so far hit upon like sticking with most of the stuff that works yeah, and, and not getting bogged down in the other stuff. He could just kind of relax a little bit. The show had been established. And then interestingly, it's actually um this is when it really took off, especially in the US. Like David Tennant had definitely gotten it sort right. of um it, it become bigger and it had become um 
uh, more mainstream, but it wasn't, it still wasn't really taking off in the U S but it really, it was, was Matt Smith, um, <clears throat> that it just kind of exploded. Uh, and well, the U S yeah. likes young, attractive people. I mean, that is yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird cork of ours that we are <laughs> interested in young, attractive, thin people. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't know what it's, a, I don't know why Americans do it, but there it is. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I think, um, uh, uh, He's he's I, he hadn't really had any major roles before this either too. So again, it's just well, kind of remarkable. So young, yeah. yeah, it's just kind of remarkable uh, to someone kind of come in and just own this. Um, and and also, I don't think he had any Doctor Who experience. Like he wasn't um, he wasn't like a fan. Like David Tennant was a fan of Doctor Who, um, so kind of came in with a, with you know a better sense of how it was supposed to be done, or, or how you know at least you know, one expectation of how it should be done, but then you know bringing his own spin to it or whatever. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I think Matt Smith just kind of came in, hadn't really had not done a huge, not carried a show before, not really hugely familiar with Doctor Who, and was just like, "Well, oh, I'm just gonna have a good time with this." <laughs> Does it really well? <laughs> all right, we have. Uh, hey, first of all, John, how are you doing? How's your voice doing? How are you holding up? Good, doing all right. Doing all right. Good. good. Well, as we mentioned, there's 299 official Doctor Who television stories. We have ranked 114 of them. We're, we're like we're rolling, getting we're rolling. there. Yeah, we're yeah. rolling along. Um, so we're going to get started with these, though. I do want to go back over to, I mentioned Duggan from City of Death. I'm going to add him to my list of companions. We now have 10. We're mm-hmm. Roll through them now. I'll start from the bottom. Number 10, the possibly gay boy from Idiot's Lantern. <laughs> I've never looked up his we name. I'll learn his name. <laughs> I, I refuse to. And he won't have a name if he becomes a companion. No, no. Uh, Professor Rumford from Stones of Blood. Oh, yes, yes, we love them. Organon from The Creature from the Pit. Oh, yes, this is our, our daughtering old people yes. uh, <laughs> section. Yeah. Uh, Rubish from The Time yep, Warrior. Yep. Rosita from The Next Doctor. Oh, right, yes, yes, she's good. Mrs. Moore from Rise of the Cybermen. So right. there's a it's a good mix of people in here. Herbert from Time Lash, H. G. Wells from Time Lash. Which, <laughs> that would have I realized they couldn't have done that because it would have been sticky to always have H. G. Wells on yeah. trip with the yeah. Doctor. I still think it would have been, been limiting, maybe. <laughs> uh, then in the top three, uh, we have two that really seems like they were they probably meant to cast them as as companions and they said lady christina from planet of the dead that really felt like it's like right as eh, you might have become a companion but timing didn't work out and then i'm keeping ray from delta and the bannerman at number one he's been ionized been ionized and the, but i'm putting duggan in as number two with a bullet mm-hmm. I, I think mm-hmm. i think he would have been a really refreshing different kind of companion I, I, he would have kept on that trench coat the whole time. He would have been <laughs> punching aliens. Like it would have been great. There's a great uh, one of my favorite uh, throwaway lines is um, <clears throat> the doctor's trying to use the sonic screwdriver to get out of a room or something, and uh, he he just little buzzes buzzes it and it doesn't work. Uh, and he says, oh, it must not be working." <laughs> yeah. And then Duggan's like, "Ah!" and grabs it and like hits it against the door a couple times, and he's like, "Come on!" And the doctor grabs it back, and he's like, "Stop it!" Uh, and then tries it and it works. And he says, "Oh, would you like to stay on as my scientific advisor?" <laughs> <laughs> and then uh later when they're trying to get out of the door we're like well we could ask duggan to open the door and he's like on it <laughs> and then he like smashes through the door um anyway he's great so yeah number two with a bullet of our top 10 companions who should have been been, been. all right so now my rankings of the episodes um so i'm gonna go classic first so city of death i did really enjoy it i tried to figure out where to put it um and why as much as i really enjoyed it it wasn't like immediately in my like oh this is in my top five or ten 
I think it was I there was something about the style. Of, so some of my classic ones who have been at the top, um, near the to the top. Inferno was the one that was really high for me for a while. In fact, I think that was my number one at some point. And that Inferno reminds me a lot of like a seventies, um, like like the Andromeda Strain, but like done as Doctor Who, like this seventies work. Like what do you call them? Like the you call them like factory settings. Of, uh, yeah, um, the industrial. Yeah, industrial. Yeah, yeah. I just I really like those. Um, the, um, what was it? The hand of, is it the hand of death? The last the hand of fear, the last hand of fear. Yeah. That was another one that was really high. And then the one I actually have the highest right now is robot, which is a really silly one. But to me, it's so doctor who, or like, it, there's so many good things about it. It is Tom Baker. And then the robot becomes big at the end and smashes around like a Godzilla. Like, it's just fun. Like, it's just a really fun, silly one. Um, this one, as much as I really loved the writing and, and Tom Baker or whatever, I just, there were some of the other trappings of it. I just didn't get into. I didn't mind the art thief part of it. Like I said, I thought it was fun. So I still have it very high. I have it number 15. Um, and uh, so it's it's up there with some of my top uh, classic ones, but it's just above the Aztecs, and I put it below uh, Pandora Opens Big Bang from from actually just recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't quite crack into my favorites. Um, and then I know this is weird. But Christmas Carol is one of my favorites. I really enjoyed it. It reminded me a lot of some of the other ones I enjoyed. Like, I really like the Shakespeare Code, as you remember, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Tooth and Claw. And I, I think I like some of these historical. This wasn't a historical one, but the fact that it's just like retread Dickens. I like the time travel stuff. Matt Smith's just awesome. Um, Michael Gambon's really good with him. I just like I just and it's so self-contained and enjoyable. So this mm-hmm. is actually my number four. It's mm-hmm. it's not quite at the top because I did look at some of these other and sounds in the library for so the dead is above it. Robot is above it. And the 11th hour. So my favorite zone, another Matt Smith one. But like that was the thing was when I looked at the very top, it was like, well, the original time I met this guy is still my favorite. But um but this is really up there. I just I could sit down and watch this again. Like I just it was it felt so rewatchable to me. Um, I really yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah, definitely. This one, I think this one. It's not too scary, right? The kid, your kids could probably watch it and stuff. Yeah, like that. yeah, and, yeah. <clears throat> um, uh, except obviously you'd have to explain the costume, the role playing. In fact, <clears throat> that um, thinking of entry points and for my kids too, the specials are probably really good ways because they're so self contained to like kind of dip in and watch some of those. Um, the that one, and I'm thinking of the one with um Kylie Minogue too. Like those are yeah. you could just kind of watch those and. You know, you don't have to know much else going on. Right. Um, yeah, I think we're close to agreement here. Uh, so I've got uh, A Christmas Carol. I've got it around number 21. Um, it's just very solid episode. Um, it doesn't stick in my memory for some reason. I mean, like I, I certainly know the story and stuff like that, but um, it doesn't uh, it doesn't nothing about it stands out particularly. But uh but it also is still a really solid, well executed, um, <clears throat> uh, executed story. So I've got it, yeah, around the Christmas invasion, uh, Curse of Fenric, uh, School Reunion, uh, which is the when Sarah Jane comes back. Yeah, when Sarah um, Jane. Just yeah, just really good solid one. And um, yeah, not a huge surprise, but I, I have a new number one, hey. uh, City of Death. Um, <clears throat> definitely, I knew it was going to be up there. Um, 
gets the edge over Genesis of the Daleks just because uh, it's a little bit lighter. <laughs> it's a little bit more fun, uh, you know, and it's interesting, right? The stakes are high, of course. You know, it's the, it's the whole world could be destroyed or, you know, the human race wiped out if this, uh, this goes badly. Um, but it's just, you know, again, it's just like, but, you know, let's not get too carried away. <laughs> um, it's just very, uh, it, it's fun. It's light. It's got, uh, obviously, uh, all the great, um, all the great guest stars. And then you throw in John Cleese on top of that. who's one that of my favorite fun. people. And it's just like, well, there you go. Um, uh, so yeah, see, that's definitely one of my go-tos in terms of getting people into the classic series. Um, although, you know, again, it's a bit of a cheat since there aren't really a ton like this. One. Right, <laughs> like right, right. It's very, and I, it, it, um, interestingly, I think it went out one of the episodes, uh, one of the, um, you know, the ITV, the competing network, basically the competing network at the time had a transmitter failure or was on strike or something happened and they weren't broadcasting. Um, so it, it became like a massive ratings um, uh, episode. Oh, yes, I read this. Right. So yeah. everyone just had to watch Channel One. So, yeah. So it's like, all right, well, at least they, uh, you know, it worked out and there was a good one because, like, you know, it could have been like, I think Creature from the Pit is just like a couple episodes after <laughs> that. It's like, well, well you know, thankfully they, they had a good one. You know what's one. interesting <laughs> about it is that one of the fun things about it to watch for me really came from having watched other episodes, not just of Doctor Who, but of Tom Baker and even probably Tom Baker and Romana, and that there was a novelty to see them going around Paris and being like, here we are going around Paris. And it was like, it felt fun and different, but it, that wouldn't, if I'd have never seen an episode before, I would have been like, okay, I don't know. Maybe this is what they do. Like, I, I don't know this. <laughs> what, so um, I think you get a, even a little bit more out of it if you've already seen the show and kind of know yeah. this is a little different and and fun. Not different in the sense of, the tone and everything is the same, but some of the trappings of the story. Yeah. Once they get into traveling, you know, back in time and then like going to the beginning of human uh, beginning of life on Earth, then it's like, OK, now we're solidly and, and, a, and a worm monster with one eye. Yeah. Like now we're back in Doctor Who. But. I mean, yeah, normally you'd be like, hmm, I don't know that uh, the show should have this much subway writing uh, <laughs> <laughs> as sort of a, a focus. I mean, a little subway writing maybe works, but. Uh, so plugging this into the old supercomputer here uh yeah city of death is shot up to number three so it's actually an interesting three-way tie here for three so 11th hour is actually still number one inferno is still number two and then tied for three is city of death robot silence in the library force of the dead Hmm. so that's a neat little thing there and then christmas carol comes in just past the top 10 at number 11 so Hmm. all right Pretty high up there. Yeah. I still, I always look at this. I don't know why this should like boggle my mind. I'm like, I look at the combined list. I'm like, man, that's that top 10. That's it. That's a good set of episodes. It's like, yeah, it should be. Those are yeah, the ones right. that. You're like, yeah, I don't know why it's You're like, they should be terrible. I don't understand why it's so good. <laughs> John, people can go to mindprobe.show, our website. They, they can see uh, the rankings. They can see the notes from the old episodes. They can see how to subscribe to the podcast. We would love it if you, you subscribe. We'd love it, folks. If you're listening to this, please do subscribe. And please uh, share this podcast with a few friends. Uh, Literally, that's the only way anyone else is going to know about it right. because right. Uh, we are committed to not promoting this show. That is just what we stand by. Yeah. We're not going to do it 
only the word words coming out of your mouth, word of mouth. That is the only way or, you know, typing. You can type. I'm, I'm just sort of counting on it being discovered like sort of an archaeological thing yes. you know, in like, in like yes. 20 or 30 years. And then it will become massively popular and people will, well, you know, then then our then our genius will be recognized. Um, well, what's kind of cool now is um, and I've had this with some of the podcasts when I've kind of stumbled onto them is if you, you can share with some people who might be, you know, into Doctor Who or, or that you're considering there's now you know over 50 episodes in the backlogs they can go through like so a lot of fun stuff they get the if they have a particular episode that they want to check in and see you know um yeah. how we rated that like man yeah, there's a lot there or they can if go you through. know you're about to go into a medically induced coma and you want to have <laughs> sure. something to sure. listen to you know while you're doing it this is this is your you know this is perfect this is what right. we're going for <laughs> What do we have in store for our next episode? Ah, for our this next podcast. episode. Well, let's let's get uh, let's head into season. Uh, so, what do we say? Oh, seven, we six? Uh, six. Let's just let's uh, let's get rolling. Um, it's time to uh, start up on Matt Smith's second season, uh, and we're going to do a two-parter. Uh, this is the Impossible Astronaut and the Day of the Moon. Another. Uh, another annoyingly brilliant Stephen Moffat uh, <laughs> story um, <clears throat> that uh, you're just like uh, you, you can tell he's got extra time to put into these uh, these these big season premieres um, and uh, and since uh, we're talking about moon exploration I have paired that uh, with the tenth planet uh, which is uh, also involves some astronauts and exploration uh, and this is a William Hartnell uh, story uh, also oh, well. uh, Hartnell with uh, uh, Ben and Polly, who you've seen um, as yes, I have seen the second Doctor, but in the Macro Terror, uh, yeah, Um, and uh, this is the first appearance of the Cybermen. So very exciting. Oh, that's exciting. And yeah. by the way, is this one fully available on BritBox? Or is uh, this... there is a, uh, I, I don't know. Um, this is the fourth episode is missing. So the first three episodes, no problem. The fourth episode, for some reason, is missing. Um, so, uh, and it has been animated. So you might have to do a little digging around, but um, it is, it's all out there. All right. All right. All right. It's out well, there. It's out there. I look forward to it. I look forward as always, John, to, thanks for talking. I look forward to talking to you again. I, I cheers our next episode. I cheers to the future. To the future. I cheers all of it. I'm excited to... I feel like we haven't checked back, checked in with William Hartnell in a while. He's a very old man, so <laughs> I worry about that guy. Well, yeah, you gotta know he's still uh, he's still on the board. <laughs> uh, that William Hartnell, Matt Smith would be the biggest doctor age disparity. Uh, you mean... When well, he must be the oldest or, doctor. Uh, yes, um, although I think Peter Capaldi comes oh. close when he, uh, yeah, when he takes over. We're just cool now. We're just spry and cool. Right. Now. Well, yeah, you get, apparently can do a lot more than you used to be able to. <laughs> you can curse uh, a lot more. Now. Yes, there you go. You can be, and you can be racist and vote for the wrong people. And you know, sure, a lot sure. Of, a lot of advantages. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> Uh, By the way, hot breaking news, uh, Emmanuel Macron did win his election over. Oh, good. That's good. We, we only, the world only should have, has room for about you know, two crazy leaders who are. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Between at the end of the 20 teens, we, uh, we had a few going there. That is true. <clears throat> um, uh, well, I, 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 I like Macron. I'm sure it's, uh, he should be on the podcast. We should invite him on. Uh, yeah, uh, congratulate him on his big win. Uh, obviously, he could reach upwards of tens of people, n- none of whom live in France. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to put feelers out. 
Yeah. Yeah. If anyone listens to the show from France, you can check it out. Oh, we didn't say it. you can reach us at Porter at MyProgoShow and John at MyProgoShow. So. Yeah, but yeah, you haven't bothered so far. <laughs> haven't yet, but we feel like... Springs know. eternal. Hope springs eternal. <laughs> Here for me one day. Uh, I, I think if we offered people some sort of incentive for promoting the show, like, attaboy. <laughs> <laughs> MyProbe.show.